welcome to the Data Democracy. Presented by renowned O'Reilly author Ole Olsen Banyu. Empowered by Xenia. Make your data accessible and discoverable by anyone, anywhere, at any time. Hi, everybody. You're listening to The Data Democracy, and I'm your host, Ole Olesen Benjur, Chief Evangelist in Senea and the author of the Enterprise Data Catalog, published by Aureli. In this podcast, we explore what an enterprise data democracy is with knowledgeable guests. Today's guest is Gabs Ferreira. Gabs is a technology storyteller through all the formats you can imagine. Articles, podcasts, videos, and almost any type of content. I met Gabs as he was organizing a talk between me and the Brazilian data community, and I was struck by his extremely smooth, fun way of presenting complex technology, which also has a bit of tech nostalgia in its aesthetics. And so my takeaways from the conversation with Gabs are, first, a data democracy takeaway. In order to let technology be understood, stories must grow organically across all platforms, from short statements to longer statements, going from ETX to LinkedIn to Substack Medium. Uh, and then second, a data later takeaway, let people follow their heart. Working with data should be fun. Use the flexibility of the field to maximize the potential of each individual, just like Gabs did for himself, changing from programming to teaching. And then third, a personal takeaway, I want to explore the Brazilian tech community more. It's super interesting and it's super strong. Gabs is a great example of that. So get ready. Here comes Gabs. Hi, Gabs. Hey, Ole. How are you doing, man? I'm fine, fine. And uh, what about you? Are you okay? Yeah, uh, it's a bit hotter than the usual at this time in Brazil, but yeah, fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much all over, right? I want to begin with uh, your professional background, what you have done uh, in the past and so forth. Can you tell uh, the listeners a little bit about yourself, what you do and what you used to do and all that? Yeah, sure, man. Uh, so first of all, thanks for, for having me here. I have, um, I, I'm always happy when people invite me to their podcast because it's my favorite media. I started as a developer in 2007, I guess. Yeah, seven. And uh, I worked for around seven, eight years as a developer in many different companies, usually usually with .NET and Java development. And uh, I never worked with data during this period. And then after eight years working as a developer, I got into this school here in Sao Paulo, this programming school. And... I started teaching classes and got more and more involved with content and community work, something that I have never done before. And then I realized that I was way better in doing that kind of work than coding. So <laughs> my career was, uh, I had this, this shift when I when I made this 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 movement when I had when I when I got this job in this in this school, and then I, I stopped coding. I stopped uh, working as a developer, and I went full content creation community dev work. I worked for this company for around uh, eight years again, and in there I did like multiple things related to content. I hosted three different podcasts. I organized a lot of in-person events and online events and 
Um, I was part of the marketing team for a while that they didn't have a marketing team uh, 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 specifically to talk about tech courses for the Brazilian community. And I got involved in many different, many different things that I had no prior experience, like writing scripts for videos or even being the director of videos, something that at the time I, I didn't realize what I was doing, to be honest. Uh, now I look back and I see that I was doing that. But uh, it was a, like a great, great experience for me. It was really, really good thing. And then a year and a half ago, uh, approximately, I met this startup from Estonia called mm -hmm. Alving. And then uh, th there were like half of the company there was uh, were Brazilians and I got in touch with in, them. In Estonia? I in like... Estonia. Yeah? yeah. Okay, okay. Cool, yeah. cool. <laughs> that happened because the first developer that they hired, uh, that the founders hired, was a, a Brazilian. And then this Brazilian brought more Brazilians and then the company was half Brazilian after a while. Ah, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Ah, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah. So I, 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 I saw one day a post uh, of one of them on, on LinkedIn talking about company what they were doing there and that it was such an interesting niche and i was like wow that that looks cool and then i got in touch with the founders i told them uh, a longer version of what i just told you and mm -hmm. that maybe i could do some kind of work like that there and yeah they hired me like after two to three months talking and and me showing them what we could do and possibilities and how this content and, and developer relations work could work with them. And yeah, they hired me. I went to Estonia like three times during this period and I worked in this company until 10 months ago. And it's there when we met, I guess, right? Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. We we met like, uh, I think we met when you were still with Elvin, uh, yeah. the data lineage company. And I, I just recall... Uh, like being very puzzled why this big time Brazilian tech influencer was <laughs> was with an Estonian comp company, but now I understand uh, yeah. a little better. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So you were still there with that uh, with that company, but you recently made a change, right? Yeah. So what happened, Ola, is that I was doing this work there. It was it was cool. Um, people there are. are awesome people. I was getting a good salary. I was, you know, having the opportunity to travel to Europe at least once a year, which is something for Brazilians that is very expensive. So it was like a mm. nice thing to have. But I was doing a work that I, I see this now that I, I, it's not that I didn't like it, but it's not what I wanted to be doing. You know, it's not mm -hmm. something that I believe and the the trigger to make this change was that i launched my own podcast like four months ago and i always wanted to have a podcast i'm a avid listener of podcasts as, as i said in the beginning it's my favorite media and i wanted to do something and i never did but suddenly i did and when i did people really enjoyed what i was doing there because i did something different that than most tech podcasting was ever doing and this was like the trigger for me to say, hey, I want to maybe try a career as a full-time content 
creator, solopreneur. I don't know what I am right now, to be honest. But yeah, I, I have several. Anyway. I have. I simply. I simply have several questions for you right now that I want to ask you. First of all, um, so several questions. I want to ask yeah. you about your podcast. I want to ask you about what you what you call yourself and what you think about that because I'm very curious. So, but first of all, your podcast. Uh, I've been following it uh, on LinkedIn. I mean, I like uh, being able to talk and uh, like read and write French. Uh, I can, I can, I can decipher Portuguese if I read it very slowly. Mm-hmm. So I've been, I've been following your podcast with quite some interest, uh, and it, it was, it's really picking up. Right, there's a lot of people uh, enjoying it. I can see that you're very popular in Brazil. And uh, I've been thinking a lot about the podcast format myself because it's something that I really love, but it's also something that you have to be a little cautious about, right? So, so tell me how how have you how have you uh, moderated your podcast format? What makes your podcast uh, a little different than the others? And what do you think that most data podcasts do that mm. you would like to differentiate yourself from? Yeah, I think that. Most podcasts uh, they have um, specific formats that uh, most people use. Um, uh, one of them is, is is interview, just like we're doing here right now. So mm-hmm. I'll sit with you for an hour and we'll talk about specific subjects. You write down some topics, and later we're gonna edit and release it. So that's the most common format. And and the other one is almost the same thing, but with more people. So we're gonna say like. Three, four people, and talk about the subject for time. Then later we're gonna edit this or or not. Some people don't. They just you know throw that the way it is. And uh, I I do have this um, this this American podcasts as as a reference that I really like. One is called uh, Reply All that unfortunately uh, uh, is not active anymore. And this other one called Heavy Wage and both of them are the, the reply always about tech but it's not about like deep tech let's talk about no 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 javascript or data so it's it's about stories so stories about people in tech and mm-hmm. they always go deep in the story and try to focus on stories of people rather than the tech itself so it's 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 more narrative it it, it has a story it has a It's some sort of investigation, you know, like um, yeah, it's, cool. it's different. It, it, it obviously it's harder to make, right? Because yeah, yeah. of course, it But takes a lot of preparation, yeah. a lot of investigation, research. Yeah. So my podcast right now is, is 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 basically a mix of everything that I just told you. It's like I do have interviews, like for example, today I released uh, an episode. That is an interview with a, a guy that I met a few weeks ago, but um, I, I try to mix this uh, narrative format with with the interviews because nobody here in Brazil at least is doing this in, in, in tech. Like my podcast is uh, different from the others because all the others are the most uh, common formats and which are easier to produce, as I, as you said, right? So this is what this is, is making a difference, I guess. But it's a lot of work. But I'm really enjoying doing this. Um, I do have great stories there involving my daughter, my my grandmas, and uh, and, and and even my father uh, at mm. some point. And it's it's a very personal podcast, to be honest. There's, there's a lot of uh, 
things that I, I'm, I'm going through right now that I went through in the past, like uh, frustrations and things that people relate to that I'm putting and sharing in there that makes people feel they're not alone. Because every time you are, you have a frustration, especially related to career, um, mm. it's very easy to feel alone because when you go into social media like LinkedIn or, 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 or mm. other ones, uh, it's only... All you see is going to be success. Um, success, no failure. Yeah. I know everything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All the classics, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, Gabs, I really love your take. It's appealing in many ways. It's appealing because it's personal and vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's appealing because you obviously deliver high high quality content. There's so many podcasts out there where you just turn on the mic and, and like, okay, you have you have the attention now, talk. I mean, no preparation. It's completely yeah. unstructured conversations. Yeah. I dislike that quite a lot myself. Uh, yeah. And then also like the entire, I'd even say machismo of, of, of tech, like this, this male majority of, of no failure and a lot of success, a lot of money. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think that is a very appealing format. I wish it was better Portuguese. I would follow it. I, I'll try to, to pick up on, on some of the <laughs> episodes, but uh, I won't get like 100% out of it, but I can listen to it and, and get some meaning out of it still. I mean, uh, my own podcast is, is, I think I try to differentiate myself in the, t in the sense that I, I explore a topic and it's dem data democracy. It's a little difficult. So it's something that I hope I open the conversations uh, gradually as we talk and focus it on, on the data democracy. And I do not intend to have all the answers. So instead of having like this talk where you exchange, I had this success and I had that success. I try to really be open and, and say, okay, I have some ideas about, about what a data democracy is. It's a state that I want to obtain. I think each and every single enterprise should have that state, but I don't have all the answers to how we establish this. And I certainly don't have all the technical explanations. So, so that's how I think about it. But, but yeah, also I want to recommend for the listeners, just taking a look at all your banners, these beautiful illustrations that you're making for your podcast. I follow them and enjoy them on LinkedIn every time you post. It's so Using beautiful. Using the journey. Yeah, it's so, so, so beautiful. Okay, so anyway, I wanted to also touch upon the the other thing that you mentioned, and that is actually the first uh, question that I specifically had for you uh, after we talked about your background, and that is you call yourself a technology storyteller on LinkedIn. And I, I really enjoy that um, way of uh, uh, describing what you do. Uh, I've been called, uh, and I just happened to call you that too, a, a data influencer. I, I hate that term. So apologies Gabs, for no, calling okay. you that. I, it's someone, it's someone that you can, you can give that person a bribe and they will say whatever, whatever you want them to take. Well, that's a data influencer. For me. And, and I do not consider myself that at all. I do not consider that you that at all, but, yeah. and I like that the, the idea of being a, t a technology storyteller, that's something a little different. So can you can you elaborate a little bit on 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 what you think of as an ex, an uh, as a, a technology storyteller? Yeah, sure. Well, I think that um, we are always trying to define ourselves somehow. Um, specifically, when we're talking about work and 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 uh, 
and social media, you have to define yourself at least once. And it was always very hard for me to define myself. I, I never found a specific term to talk about what I do or what I want to do in this in this phase of my career. When I was a developer, it was easier. I was a developer then, I would say. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But right now, my work, it it's it's different because it touches very different points, uh, what I'm doing. It, it's a mix of marketing, uh, but also is relationship, but also is, is, is sale somehow. So the value of, of what I do, if I'm, if I'm working for a company, it's, it's, it's a mix of different things. Now I'm working just for myself. And what I'm trying to do, to be honest, is that I can be myself full-time, you know? I can be just hmm. Gabs. Who's Gabs? Oh, he's Gabs. You know him. He's Gabs. He's, he's that guy that does lots of things and you know you know his work. I, I want to do... Uh, my goal, I just posted this on, 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 on Twitter um, a few minutes ago, is that my goal for the next years is to create content that is so good that will be impossible for people and companies to, you know, ignore me, uh, not know about me. Uh because I feel, at least in the in the in the Brazilian community, in the Brazilian tech scene, um, there's a lot of people doing the same things, you know, uh, copying each other and, and following formulas. Uh, nothing, nothing against that, but I, I really want to do something different. I do feel the same thing for the English-speaking community, uh, uh, not only the, the Brazilian ones. But going back to your to your question. As a storyteller, I feel that talking to tech people is something that is different from talking to other people, at least in my experience, because usually these people are tech savvy, they are smart, and, and when you try to sell them products or things that you're just trying to sell, it they will figure it out really easy. They will like, no marketing bullshit, you know, and mm. uh, I think the the one of the strongest ways to connect with people is telling stories, and I say that because I don't know when you are a kid and your parents are trying to teach you something, usually they will tell you a story about this guy that fell into a hole or this kid that didn't eat his food and was a doctor. You know, it's like you, you tell stories and, and it's it's easier for kids and I think it's easier for adults as well. Um, I think this is the kind of thing that really makes people stick with you, you know. It's how they, uh, if, if you tell them a good story, if you tell them an interesting content rather than just saying, buy my data catalog book. Uh, <laughs> it's, if, if you if you tell your story about how hard it was to write this book, how you had to you know spend a lot of time writing and didn't spend time with your family and show mm. your human side, I think it's sometimes way more effective than just saying all the benefits that you are offering them in the book. I mean, obviously there's millions of way of ways of doing that, but um, I don't know. I, I believe in, in that, and I think now. In everything that I do, in my podcast, in my videos, and everything, I, I, I realize that I'm good at writing 
stories. And when I say stories, stories, it doesn't need to be like a, a, a full script. You know, a short video of 30 seconds can be a story. You can write a story. Yeah, but I, I, it resonates with me what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. totally. Um, yeah. And, and I think the difference is that like being what someone calls a content creator is something very shallow. It's, yeah. it's for me, it's just like you take on a funny hat and you explain some kind of technology pulling attention by visual effects, uh, but no, no sincerity. And I, I dislike that a lot. And I think it will disappear more and more. I think yeah. you are really onto something in the way you explain technology to, to people. Yeah. I want to move on a little bit and you already touched upon it, but how would you, how would you describe the Brazilian uh, tech and data community? I think my listeners would be curious to, to learn that. I mean, I hope I get listeners also in Brazil, of course, but, 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 but how would you describe uh, the scene over there? What's yeah. it like? I mean, I've heard very good things about it. I want yeah. to say that. I've heard things about how tech savvy, uh, like the Brazilian tech community really is. Uh, so, so, but, but in, in your words, how is yeah. it? So I think that, first of all, most people in Brazil don't speak English. So mm-hmm. I'm in a privileged bubble, I could say. Uh, most people yet don't speak English, so they do not have access to this kind of content, for example, and many other ones. Um, but as you said, people are very, they are, they're, they're very engaged in communities, uh, but most communities and, and tech events are in the south, southern part of Brazil, in yeah. São Paulo and Rio de Janeiro and the south of Brazil. Uh, in the upper part of Brazil, there is less, uh, less communities, there's less, um, things happening and also less uh, tech companies in, in general. But mm-hmm. people here are very engaged engaged in, in, in the communities and they have this need of good content and, and good people to talk about different things because since they don't have access to all this English content that is created in many different levels worldwide, um, they are limited to the Portuguese uh, uh, community, uh, Portuguese-speaking community. So there is uh, a lot of space to grow here um, mm-hmm. for companies and for people and for people interested in creating uh, international communities. And yeah, I think that's basically, I think there's a lot of space here, to be honest, like a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I constantly talk to companies and, and people that want to um increase your reach and, and hire more Brazilian people that uh, there's a, a really a lot of people here that want this content and want this stuff that they don't have access in, in Portuguese. Is your, is your book being released in Portuguese? Yeah, it is. Yeah, <laughs> Thank cool. you. It's getting published in Portuguese. Uh, it's an editor in Sao Paulo called uh, Novatec Editorial yeah, yeah. Uh, that bought the rights. It's very friendly of you, but I I wanna <clears throat> I wanna move on a little bit in in the questions. I think you have uh, you have answered um, some of the things that I I wanted to ask you about uh, about um, about the tech scene in in Brazil. Um, still though, um, 
I want to talk a little bit about meetups in in Brazil. So how 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 is the meetup in Brazil? Have you you have apparently arranged quite a lot of meetups? Yeah. So how yeah. how are they like? I mean, do people discuss? Is it in 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 North America and 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 to a certain extent in Europe, they are very like low key, easy conversations. Uh, is is it the same kind of format in in Brazil or? Yeah, I think it depends on the community that you are in. Um, most communities, most communities that I have joined meetups are uh, usually one or two talks from people that previously uh, 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 submitted talks to the to the meetups, and there's usually snacks and sometimes beer. I think it's not that different from the, the other meetups, yeah. But uh, yeah, I think that sometimes depending on the meetup event that you're going if it's a bigger one organized by a company uh, there will have maybe one or two things that are different like I went to this meetup uh, this an- angular meetup once that was hosted in a company and this company was sponsoring it that at the end of the meetup there was a band playing rock and, and beers but most of the times I think it's not so different tech people usually have this okay, uh, <laughs> okay. <this> behavior <laughs> yeah. um okay so let, moving into like the um, like the t- technology storytelling part I'm, I'm i'm curious about this element of uh talking to you obviously because i think it ties very closely to data democracy but but i'll get back to that first of all um you know, at a more general level um uh how how do you make someone with the the deep knowledge of a certain technology or technologies how do they how do you uh, facilitate that they are able to explain this uh, their knowledge about uh, a specific technology uh to uh, an audience with no knowledge about it uh, like how how do you make how do you make explanations of complex technology in a simple way? You're very good at that. How, how do you do that? Well, I think that um, there's two things there. First of all, people that have a, a very deep knowledge and, and that are very technical sometimes have one thing called ego uh, yeah. that you have to you know, work with that because sometimes they're like a bit, I, I wouldn't say arrogant, but you know, they're like too confident, I would say. So you have to show that you're there, to, you know, to ask them things and, and and that you realize that they are smart, you know, that you realize that they have this knowledge. So I would say the first thing is, you know, to treat people well. I'm not sure if you well is the word, but, you know, respect what they have to say and, 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 and try to show that you want to learn from them. And the other thing is to make them realize that what they are talking about is not common knowledge because it's very easy for developers and, and, and tech people get so deep into something that they talk about it as if, if it was easy and everybody could understand. So mm-hmm. you have to be aware of that and, and, and say, okay, what did you just say? Can you come back and explain that again, please? And... And then one thing that I always try to do is to find, um, to find, 
is to relay what they're saying to more common things like get an example about data lineage for example and 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 get this this topic this subject and, and compare it to a reward thing like i don't know something that people have in their homes and i think this is one thing that makes uh, uh people uh, uh understand better and and there's this other thing but this this depends a lot on, on where you are but when i taught classes uh we had this system um that I try to use into today when I'm in front of an audience, if I can interact with them, is instead of just throwing the content and throwing the knowledge at them, I try to build the knowledge with them and ask questions and make them talk to me. Like, instead of saying, hey, everyone, I'm going to talk about data lineage today, data lineage is this, here's this concept. I'm going to say, hey, folks, what happens when you try to track your system? You know, so, oh, people say, oh, uh, try to track my system doing this and that. I say, yeah, but isn't that a problem? Oh, you know, try to build mm. the knowledge with them instead of just throwing everything as uh, as if I knew everything. So it's yeah. a little bit of what you said in the past, right? Is try to, instead of being a teacher, uh, being a facilitator, a person that is there to try to make your graphs the content instead of just throw everything at once and you figure out how you do it. You know, this is what I try to do when I can. I love that. I really love that. Um, and so like in the spirit of, uh, of, 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 of data democracy, do you have any more tricks like on how to educate people so they understand technology? How do you educate people so that they understand technology fast, uh, as fast as possible with a, with a maximum effect? Can, like besides the singular, uh, the specific situation where you built with them, have you what formats works? Uh, what specific mediums? Uh, what's your what's your experience in in making people uh, understand technology fast? Hmm. That's a hard one. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, but you have been in a role. You have been in roles both as a teacher, yeah. but also creating or writing i'd say i prefer writing your own uh, stories um telling a lot of stories uh, in ways that have made people relate to technology in a new way i mean uh, what's uh, what if you if you should try to sum it all up uh, is it possible yes yeah, sure. I, I think that people have different ways of learning the some people will prefer to read a blog post some people will prefer to read a book from the beginning to the end people some people prefer to watch a video other will listen to an audiobook or a podcast and i think there's like it's, it's very hard to do everything you know uh, when you are creating content be it for a company or for launching a book or for your live show or for whatever it's very hard to do everything but in my content right now i try to create a little bit of everything in multiple channels so i try to be on 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 instagram and tiktok which are you know short videos and stuff i try to have a weekly i try no i, I do have a weekly newsletter where I, I i um write once a week i do have my youtube channel with deeper content and longer format content and i think that when, when we're speaking in content to teach people, I think 
the way you can do to maximize this impact is reuse and repurpose this content to max you, you can, you know. Like uh, a lot of content that I do starts with like a tweet. I do a tweet about something and then people will answer me and then I'll get the content and post on LinkedIn with a longer version. And then I'll repurpose that for an Instagram Instagram video that will be longer and a little bit more visual. And then I'll maybe turn that into a video later, a longer video for YouTube. So repurposing content, I think it's a way of trying to make people learn things different ways. And especially when we are talking about uh, content and social media, uh, it takes time for people to realize who you are. So the more time mm. they see you, they see you in different places, They, the more quickly they will realize who you are, what you do, and, 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 and everything else. Sometimes people have the impression that, okay, I'm going to write a book and release it and the world the board will come and buy a book and, 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 you know, I think you're probably feeling that right now. Um, books nowadays are a beginning, not an end, right? It's yeah. a beginning of something. I really know what you mean. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. But I love uh, Gabs. I gotta say, uh, I wouldn't. I didn't want to cut you off. But since no, we're laughing now, I think this is a very beautiful way of explaining how you maximize uh, the empowerment of everyone to understand technology and ultimately obtain a data democracy in a company. It's it's this movement of 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 ideas from very short formats, certain social media into longer formats longer texts longer videos on linkedin or other medium and then and then flip-flopping that into even longer context or smaller context again so that's it's this entirely organic uh, involvement of ideas that you communicate across platforms and media i i yeah. i really love that uh honestly i have not thought of uh, of of I won't say that approach, but just that behavior. For me, it's yeah. always been uh, more or less only LinkedIn, long posts and books. And I've been trying to get my Medium profile up and running for like two and a half years, but I, I haven't mm-hmm. succeeded in it. And 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 I, I I find it hard to be on on social media with like short statement uh, social media, such as X or mastodon or threads i mean I, I i love mastodon a lot but it's but i can definitely see that the way that you're empowering people understanding making them understand technology and ultimately getting better at using data is something that you can do in that way so so that is a very that's a very like yeah yeah that's just a very educational answer thank you very much Gab. Yeah. So I, I have one last answer for you and then we will uh then we will uh stop uh, and that is, um, it's a very open question. Uh, there's no, I don't expect any kind of, any specific kind of answer from you, but, but like given the rise of, of, of generative AI, um, how do you see the future of, of, of what you're doing and, and basically what we're doing right now, <laughs> both of us, like uh, not creating content because that I think will we will not miss content creation, but 
technology storytelling, these deeper, more intelligent way of communicating about technology and data. How do you see the future of that, given the rise of generative AI? Uh, in, in my point of view, generative AI are tools that are going to help us like a lot. For example, maybe you can throw all the content of your book on AI and say, generate tweets for the next six months based on the content yeah. of this book. So this is something that is good. You know, um, A lot of people, when we talk about generative AI, are scared of uh, being replaced and all that. You know all that all that conversation around that, and obviously I think that maybe some jobs will be affected. Maybe some are being affected. By the way, right? Like especially um, people that write and 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 and. But I think I think personally that the people that at least now maybe in five years this will be different. But at least now. Um, uh, I feel that people and jobs and functions that are being replaced are the most generic ones. Uh, I think there will never be a machine that will be able to replace all it and gaps, you know. Um, mm-hmm. and what makes, uh, as, I, as I said in, in, in the other questions, what makes people stay with you, be for content creation or for teaching data democracy is uh, obviously the quality of your content and how this solves their problems, but also how they identify with you, how they feel that you understand their pain and what they're going through, whatever be it. And a machine will never be able to understand what people feel for real. Uh, They can mimic that, but then never be able to do that and i don't know i i feel that I, i'm not afraid about that no, I, no. I feel like as i said there's a lot of people doing the same thing and um the the for me this the tools they will help more people create content and and do great things for example you were saying about my uh the cover arts for my podcast i will never be able to do that to, to do that by myself and I can do mm. right now because I have access to a tool where I pay $10 a month that can create awesome images for me. Uh, oh, but maybe someone would say, oh, but you are, I don't know, taking a job from a designer or something like that. I don't have money to pay a designer. I, no, no, no. no, no. <laughs> so, and I won't have for a long time. So I think it's, uh, it's I don't know, for me, it's a way of giving people more opportunities to, to do good content and, 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 and good things with their with their talent. Agreed, Gaps. Um, well, that was it. Thank you very much for being on. Um, and uh, definitely stay in touch. Yeah, sure, man.